You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Long Yak with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. Hi, I'm Saya. In this episode, we're looking back at our month of dramas new and old. Join us as we discuss the good, the bad and the horribly mediocre. This podcast is a project by fans for fans. And before going any further, we want to thank you, dear listeners, for supporting us in so many ways and our beloved patrons who make these episodes possible. You can find news and updates about the podcast on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. We're really close to reaching our next goal, which we plan to celebrate by doing an exclusive live stream as a special thank you to our patrons. If you want to be part of making the dream grow, there are a whole load of other ways to help. You can share our episodes on fan sites and social media, talk about the podcast to your drama-loving friends, or leave a review on iTunes or whichever Apple platform you use to listen to us. Do also check out our website at dramasoverflowers.net, where we have regular features such as the weekend drama report with our weekly updates on what we're watching, as well as drama reviews and editorial pieces, sometimes with all three of us hashing things out in writing just like we do in person. Finally, you can get in touch with us with your thoughts and ideas. We're always reading the comments on YouTube and Drama Beans, and you can also follow us on Instagram at dramasoverflowers underscore podcast, tweet at us at dramasoverflow, or email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. And that's it from me. I'll touch and enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anita. And this is Parama. And this is the Lung Yak for June. It's June, right? Not July. I've lost all track of time. It's I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. I'm not ready for July yet. <laughs> Well, I have those days where I'm like, I can't tell if we're going into winter or if we're going into summer, because who knows anymore. Mm. But whether you're going into winter or summer, I hope everyone is well, um, wherever you are, our listeners. Um, And it's been a serious few weeks. I mean, it's it's always been serious, but I guess now people know about it. I don't know. Um, I'm going to hand this over, because (laughs) bye. (laughs) <laughs> Who are you handing it to? Who oh, wants to take it? I need to stop talking. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, the world is still the way it is. And why don't we just jump straight into dramas this time? That is a really solid plan. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just do that. Well, the fun thing is that I guess by the time this comes out, it will be old. But The Kink has just finished airing um, this weekend. And yeah, it's, you know, we're all like, I, I don't know. I mean, you guys are less closet than me, but I'm completely closet K-drama nerd in real life. Nobody knows my secret life. So like you're on Twitter and random things are trending down the side and you're, suddenly you're like trending in the UK, the king finale. And it's, it's, <laughs> there's something very unsettling about it. You're like, why do people know about this? Why does it have 33,000 tweets? And I, I, I don't know what to do with this. Go away, everybody. At the same time as trying to convince everyone to watch dramas. <laughs> Isn't it also, like, weirder when it's, like, not something that you love a lot that's trending? Like, if it was Signal that was trending, wouldn't you have a different feeling? That's so true. You're like, why is why is this drama of all dramas the one that everyone decided was amazing when it's, like, just like standard it's mediocre actually that's i'm sorry i don't mean that i do really like it but but among the general like sort of the milieu of dramas Hmm. this is not like up there it's not signal level 
But, you know, I felt exactly the same thing a few weeks back when um, on Netflix, India, the king was like the third, I think, uh, of top trending dramas. And I was like, wait, why are so many Indians watching the king? Why is why are my two worlds colliding? Yeah, I don't like this. (laughs) But but I, I also think that it's there's a difference between us trying to convince people um, who we know would love K-dramas for quote-unquote the right reasons <laughs> because they would understand the nuance, because they would really like the storytelling. It's one thing for us to try and convince people to watch because of those reasons and another for a format that we spend so much time analyzing and like pulling apart and loving to suddenly become mainstream fair which to my mind slightly cheapens mm. it and i don't like the i don't like that thought so i'm probably acting like i'm, I'm dude it's not it's korean dramas it's not mine i can't like it's not mine i'm not entitled to it but i do feel i think it's, you know, it's that side bit of entitlement that feeling where you're like because we're more critical about them and we approach them more critically as well i mean i feel the same way with the fandom sometimes like, for example, why is uh, Strong Woman Dovongsun so popular and held up as, like, a drama you have to watch when you're like, it was trash. Two-thirds of it was complete, like, <laughs> trash. And, yeah, that's the drama I that agree. everyone's like, you have to watch this, it's amazing. And you're like, no, it's not amazing. Why are you saying it's amazing when it's just, oh. I've had the experience more than once yeah. of, like, somebody I know or I'm related to being like, oh, I found this great show called Strong Woman Dobong Soon. You like that Korean stuff, right? I'm like, no. Not that well, one. I that one. <laughs> Especially like now on American Netflix, there are actually a few good dramas. Like in the beginning, it was all crap. Like Panda and Hedgehog and like yeah. terrible things. Terrible, like K-pop, extreme survival, like shows that are so bad that it's painful. <laughs> But you went and dug them up. <laughs> I did watch a couple of episodes of K-pop Extreme Survival. I'm not proud of it. But it's basically like um, something that try is trying to be you're beautiful, but it fails so spectacularly that it's like embarrassing. I suppose when you look at it that way, it's like they're trying to capture the broadest demographic. Like we're not the target audience necessarily. Like all of the K-pop fans or the Oppa fans, that that's who you really want to get watching. That's true. I think it's just more like it's um, if somebody enjoys that, like, that's cool. I'm not here to shame people for enjoying like, quote unquote, bad TV, because like we've all enjoyed things that are 100 percent high quality prestige television. I just feel sad when like that's the only exposure that somebody ever has to K-drama. And they're like, well, this is dumb. I'm never watching this again. And I'm like, but wait, (laughs) but that's not all of it. It just makes me feel kind of sad. So, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> All of that said, I actually, uh, despite the fact that the show's aired, I'm up to episode eight and I'm really into it. Um, but also that said, um, everything we said about Yumino last time still stands. And I remember <laughs> the last time we talked about it, I defended his like tone and like, you know, he's meant to be like this and this is his character. Um, but yeah, I have to agree with Anissa now. He, he really does have an extremely flat monotone, which is... Sad. I'm pouting. Yeah. You just can't see me. <laughs> I agree. Even Ho is the least appealing thing about this drama. I'm, I watched the entire thing with my eyes on... Um, 
Kim Go Yoon, um, the actor playing uh, Shinji, and of course um, Udo Han, who's just, I mean, killing it. <laughs> what is that boy? It, it's like just at the midway mark is where like Udo Han meets Udo Han, and you're like, this is pretty good. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I find the plot really, really intriguing, but. Like, I suddenly got the sense while watching, like, 7 and 8 that I can see Imino trying. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not entirely incompetent. He's delivering lines. So I know what they're going for, even if it doesn't quite land. Yeah. So, like, I can compensate in my head, which I've been doing. I'm like, I, am, I redo his lines in my head and I give him expressions, <laughs> which is potentially more work than a person should do when they're watching dramas but it's okay because i'm watching it at speed so i don't feel i actually even have stopped watching it at speed because that's how much i'm enjoying it but i feel like maybe he studied gongyu as like tokebi in goblin because i i feel like he's aiming for that delivery except it's not quite landing. He doesn't mm. have like a, an innate sense of comic timing or any timing. Yeah, and also like his Gongyu <laughs> and and like much more sensitive actors, they have like a certain yeah. amount of self awareness, even as they do the worst lines, and they're also unself conscious about it. And it sounds like a weird sort of semi contradictory thing, but it works. And that's what people, that's how he can play a character like the Goblin, which is like, in what world would you be okay with a character like that on paper? It's not about how he looks on paper, it's the execution. Whereas with Imino, he's just, he's calling it in basically. But then the other thing I thought is, is it because he's been in army or something and that he's forgotten how to act? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a legitimate question. Like, I, I genuinely have been thinking about this and, it, it could be. But then I remembered his other shows. <laughs> no, it's... And also, you can give him that excuse for the first couple of episodes while he's warming up. He is exactly the same degree of monotone with his expression, his delivery, his... The, the slight off timing with the way he delivers things. This is, this is me. It's like he's decided that this is how he wants to portray the character. And the way he wants to portray the character is as colorless as possible he's sticking to his guns with this but then there was this really great scene i think it's in episode eight mm -hmm. where he he killed it um and it was it was like it was it was dark and it was good it was the part where he meet he finds somebody from uh, the kingdom in the republic and that person recognizes him and the the execution order the suicide order. Yeah. That was really well yeah. done. It was like maybe a minute long that scene, maybe two, but it was yeah. absolutely like yeah. his delivery was perfect. His tone and his gravitas, yeah. like he tries for that gravitas in other points, but he had it in that point. Like it was on point. Yeah. So he's got it somewhere. He just has to dig for it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're completely right. That scene is actually really well done. So he, that, w the pitch he's going for really works in those grave scenes. There are scenes in later half of the drama where he's giving these really dark orders or, or rather really serious orders that have to be carried out in this really serious, like, you know, mandate by the king type of way. And he does those moments really well. Unfortunately, because I'm I'm rewatching Goblin right now, and I can see Gong Yu 
go serious and grim and powerful and then the next moment he's cracking jokes like about going to the play store or <laughs> playing knife fights with the grim reaper playing the gargoyle with underpants song yeah complaining about don't sing that song or bickering with it don't look and then suddenly when he goes grim it goes so dark and he's so powerful and you're like I can see that he's the goblin. <laughs> This is a demigod. Beings of ancient sorrow versus yeah. six-year-old crying about something silly. That's like they flip that switch and and you can you can like you can see the the way the switch is flipped and like like yeah. how much how much it works. I completely agree and I think for some reason even how it's completely failed in the lighter and most of the scenes were lighter because his, his his most of his dialogues were supposed to be quips he he was he's supposed to be this really the really calm headed but really sort of like a good humored and smart protagonist i have to say though that i do think that he's like written a little bit poorly as well more poorly than usual in kim and suk's uh, male characters uh, her heroes like he yeah. doesn't quite seem to have enough to do like what's what's his point whereas everyone else seems to have this dark backstory and this mission and his is he's been burdened with a glorious purpose <laughs> is what has happened like it's hard to sort of get a grasp on exactly what that purpose is Like I can't fault him entirely for it. I do think the character is written with a certain amount of poverty. That's uh, that's yeah. not. It's not all on him. I agree. I agree. I see what you mean. It because he doesn't have an arc in the story. Right. He's kind of aimless. Yeah. He he's following the directions. It's kind of like uh, he. There are these set milestones that he has to go through to get to his goal and he's just going through the milestones there on there is no developmental arc for him like him coming to uh, republic of korea has changed nothing in his character has not changed anything in his behavior his approach to it's not like he used to be a distant monarch and now he's warmer to his people there is no change in his what egon was in the first episode is what egon remains i will not say till when <laughs> We have one episode like by episode I mean a scene of his life one episode of his life yeah. in backstory. We don't have anything else. Right. Like he's a bit of a cipher True. actually. Um everything is happening yeah. to him and around him, but he's not as much of an agent in the story as like Kim Kyungnam is Shinje. He's getting a hero's arc and he's he's killing oh, it. He's absolutely really killing it. Oh, it's a good arc. Yeah, it's a it's so compelling. Side characters are all getting excellent arcs and i really because i have watched till the last episode i really enjoyed how most of their stories ended up and there are there are some characters whose endings were inexplicable but we won't go into that because we are really trying not to spoil anything here for me <laughs> i've reached yeah for sorry i've reached that point where i'm too scared to carry on watching uh, can i just say that you don't have to be scared to this is going to be an enjoyable watch for you for for now. <laughs> for now she says. Wow. Now I'm more scared. <laughs> I do um I do want to add we're talking about a lack of development and stuff and I uh, yeah. I don't know what's wrong with this show. I mean I do know what's wrong but I don't know why it's wrong. 
that she, she that Kiwinsick is her great forte, her great strength in everything she writes is yeah. building these um quite epic romances. Whereas Yeah I don't know where it all went here. Like one day <laughs> one day or like, you know, five episodes, six episodes, they're like, you know, fighting tooth and claw or at least King Gohan is understandably yeah. that all makes sense but then the next day like by the next episode it's like Saranya and I mean I read I I didn't sleep for like hours last night when I should have because I was reading like 300 comments of interpretations it's actually interesting how much difference it makes when you sort of take in all the um different opinions and like well thought out commentaries because I hadn't thought of a lot of things the way that some people had described it so on the one hand, they're yeah. saying, you know, this is, it's like a, a relationship that both of them know has no f- future. And therefore, why, why, like, hurt yourself by investing in it? But then there's this moment where she makes a choice, you know what, I'm going to because time is finite, life is short. Yeah. And that's why she sort of delivers this quite abrupt uh, saranga. And yeah. Actually, I really like that interpretation, but I thought about it again like half an hour ago and was like, mm, no. I mean, you can look at it that way. And I've looked at other shows that way where I, I read my interpretation into it and it, it enriches my watching of the show. But in this one, like, Kim Eun-suk does romance so much better. And it like she hasn't done any of the work of the romance here, but we're meant to believe it happened somewhere off screen. Do you think that she's handling so many different plot elements with, I mean, I think, I mean, I'd only watched first two episodes, but it seems like there's not only an alternate universe plot element, but there's also like time travel and then there's like politics and nah, I don't, I don't think she has that excuse. Out of all of those things, the easiest thing to do is build the romance. The easiest thing. Everything else is hard. The romance is easy. (laughs) And also... Honestly, she actually does a pretty good job of keeping all of the elements in balance till the very end. I I don't usually say this about most dramas that we watch because the second half lags. Second half does not lag in this drama. There's nothing wrong with the pacing of this drama. She's actually thought the moments, the the milestones of the of each episode really well. It actually the pacing stays consistent throughout. She doesn't drop the ball. Do you agree with all her reasonings at the end of the drama? That's a different discussion entirely. But I don't think those things distracted from the romantic pairing. The romantic pairing, I think, mostly feels because of the way she's written Egon's character. There is no attraction between these two people who have spent so little time together. Mm-hmm. However, again, I keep going back to Goblin because it's written by the same writer. And Kim Goan as well. And it's Kim Goyeon. And the thing is that they do the abrupt sarangye as well. Because Kim Goyeon's character, of course, is she's this kid who initially she doesn't exactly reveal to Gonghyo's character that she is the Dokebi's bride in that she can see the sword. She's still considering her options because she's a smart girl like that. I mean, I just love the layers she, she had put into Go, Kim Goyeon's character there, Ji Tak. And she did the abrupt sarangye in the beginning. But it didn't mean anything. And later on, a few episodes later, no, hold on, a few episodes later, Gong Yu, after realizing that he is becoming attached to her and 
and also realizing that she can end his life and he goes through this depressive period where he's like my immortal life is ending i don't want it to end even though this is what i've been waiting for forever and he avoids her and he's cold to her and throughout all of this period he's also slightly falling for her not in the traditional romantic sense so much as that she suddenly brightened up his world and he comes to her and she's like well are you going to be cold to me what is going on are you going to uh, like talk to me now and he he says well you know what come and stay with me now and she's like well why do do you do you love me what and she doesn't say it in the whole plaintive do you love me way but she's like what what is going through your mind and he's like if i have to love you i will sarange but again he says it without an expression and she is more hurt by it than anything else it's raining outside and whenever the dokkevi is sad it rains the entire scene is set up to tell its own story that's not even part of the dialogue and i am watching this and then i watch the king where this girl says i love you to this guy and gets in a car and just leaves and he's yeah what <laughs> what story are they telling here so that's the thing so you have moments and like what you're talking about in goblin is that all of those moments are an accumulation of small moments like little things that all add up to make that big moment mean something whereas in the king you have what is meant to be a big moment but it's not supported by the small moments like there aren't all of the pebbles that add up to the mountain that that makes yeah. it sort of mean something to you cuz that scene like by itself it could be a beautiful scene if it had the requisite sort of build up and yeah. you know it's just we've always said that Kim Eun Suk loves her moments and you, she does but she usually builds them up really well and i feel like yeah. in this show they haven't like you didn't put the work in it's not right for you to ask me as a viewer to do that work i can but why should i mm. which is really uncharitable yeah. because i'm really enjoying the show i actually love it <laughs> so why why do you think it is that despite all the flaws of the show that we can see both you and i i mean okay hold on i should put a caveat in here um i almost dropped the show at several points in the first couple i i think around the 6th or 7th episode i was getting a bit peeved by i just general complaints and i kind of almost dropped it uh but then i didn't i don't know i kept i think oh you started watching it so i uh, you were talking about how much you were enjoying it so i i started rewatching it again i i was watching it again peer pressure and then around peer pressure around <laughs> episode like episode 11 happened and i really enjoyed it then episode 12 happened and i was like okay i have lost interest at this point i don't think i want to pick it up but then my cousin started watching it <laughs> and she was constantly asking me questions <laughs> that i had no way of answering so i i watched the rest of them i enjoyed the overall drama as a as a single viewing as a one watch i i enjoyed it but i needed pushes at different points for me to keep going i didn't have the you know that the pull towards the drama so here is a flawed drama that i admit that i enjoyed watching if somebody pushed me to watching it i i enjoyed the overall thing so what do you, why do you think it is we have so many complaints about this drama there are there are so many flaws but we still enjoyed it i think our complaints are very specific because like you and i both love the sci-fi dramas and yeah. there's something about k-drama sci-fi which is just it beats any other kind of sci-fi because they have this really deep sort of emotionality to them which adds so much to the sci-fi conceit and 
so what you have here is like for example you remember when we were watching circle and how much i loved that i loved it sort of yeah t- to death and beyond and w like how much we loved that and then we were betrayed by the ending um, yeah. sorry for anyone who hasn't watched it it's still <laughs> worth the total watch all the way through even the ending and you know memories of the alhambra so all of these concepts they are really rich as as a, a central conceit and the better done they are the more rewarding it is and it feels so far and like what you said gives me hope as well that it will deal i mean this this show could it would be I would love it even without the romance. I don't need a romance in this show because the plot is so intriguing. And it's like, that's how I feel about also 365, which also yeah. had that kind of, that central conceit of a supernatural element. And if you make that exciting enough and that's thrilling enough and that's detailed enough and the like the plot is wild and it, the cliffhangers are like, ah, and you're guessing every moment and you're putting things together, it becomes a really exciting, quite thrilling experience. So that's why it works for me. If everything else had also been at the same level as, you know, even though it's acting, like I say, I can compensate for it in my head. So it's it makes it okay. Yeah. I think it was that she does put so many interesting questions into the drama very early on. And as Erim's um, actions unfold and you see what he has done, and I mean, it's really interesting to wait for the answers. How is this going to be resolved? How are these lives going to be affected? Who's going to be doppelganger snatched next? And what are the rules? What are the rules? Yeah. As we know, with all such dramas, the rules are never completely explained. (laughs) No matter how much you wait. (laughs) But... Sorry. Um, Sorry. Sorry. I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear that. I'm having some of my frustrations (laughs) Well, some rules are I should explained. go away so you can have a good little rant by yourself. No, so I, I wouldn't, I, w- I don't think I would be able to sufficiently get it, get it out. But <laughs> I think it's the, it, it's the questions that she puts in and it's actually fun to wait and look at the hints. And honestly, I don't remember the last drama I speculated so much over. It's been a while since I think it was Memories of the Alhambra, probably in the first half. After that, I just gave up. But my cousin, once she got into it, she had like a ton of questions. So uh, the last uh, three episodes we watched together and we had a blast. It was fun. We were speculating and we were laughing at the ridiculous moments. And it was just, just the, it was fun watching. But um, also, I think the other thing she did really well and it, and it needs to be recognized is that she set up the side characters most of the supporting cast really well and she gave them fulfilling arcs to live out in the drama. So I really liked getting to know the backstory of these characters and yeah, so that's that's my inspiration. Can I add just one last thing as well? Because let's let's end this on uh, a sweet <laughs> note, not not the sourness in the middle. I, I like sour things. <laughs> but yeah, to end it on, on a sweet note, despite everything we've said about the romance being lacking and, you know, missing out uh, tons of development and all of that, mm. there, are, there are also, like, so far, and I expect that there'll be more, there were, as long as you assumed all of the relationship build-up had happened, and you'd be like, okay, so they're in love now, there were some really lovely sort of natural couple moments like between um mm-hmm. Imino and Kim Goon that were just they were very they were very touching they were simple but you felt the emotion in them and that's why sometimes you're like oh for what could have been 
Oh, wait, we were meant to end it like that. <laughs> so those were really nice, and I hope there'll be more. <laughs> that, that's exactly it. That's mm-hmm. exactly how I felt. I thought all, all the scenes and the setups were just there. And if, if there had been just a little more something there, it, it would have just transformed into these magical, memorable moments that we would have just like kept in our hearts and revisited year after year while referencing other dramas. It would have, yeah, it would have become one of our things. Maybe she's but, trying yeah. to make every drama live up to, I mean, everything is in Goblin's shadow right now. Like, you know, Mr. Sunshine, who remembers that? I guess the people who watched it remembered it, I didn't finish it (laughs) i mean that's kind of i guess that's kind of my point which is the long shadow of goblin may touch every drama she writes and maybe she just needs to forget about goblin just forget about goblin and start writing new shows yeah before we leave this particular drama and go on to others i just want to add that while domestic ratings weren't great for the king we know that it got a lot of international viewership thanks to netflix so she may not have outdone Goblin, but she has definitely reached new viewership thanks to uh, the way the king was marketed and, and pushed. Yeah. Not undeservedly, to be honest. Yeah, true. It was, uh, you know, brilliantly made and every second of it looked fantastic. If you didn't know that you had something to compare it to, you'd be like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But we probably should move on now. Sorry, Anissa. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. All right. Anissa. So you were watching once again, right? You picked it up after uh, a lot of internet chat. I was, yeah. Like, so I saw that it was starring Lee Sang-yeob and Lee Min-jung, and I was intrigued mm. by that pairing. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Even though it was like, a, a, well, a hundred episode weekender, but also like those were half hour episodes. So it's more like a regular 50 episode weekend drama. Um, and then a lot of people were like, oh, this is really good. It's like the answer to like, Father is Strange. And I was like, ooh, I love Father is Strange. And also the premise is basically, it's dealing with divorce. So it's this family where basically three of the kids are either divorced or annulled. On the verge of? Well, three of them have like split up from their marital partners. And one of them is in the process of getting divorced um, in the first episode. So I was like, oh, this might be like an interesting exploration of something that we don't usually see in family dramas. Um, so I thought, you know, this, this looks interesting. It's a great cast. It also has Song Yuna playing Eamon Jung's older sister. And Eamon Jung is kind of the very blunt, outspoken, isn't out here to make friends, just do her job kind of person, which kind of was like, oh, is, like, is this going to be like Yuri from, you know, Father Strange, who was so great. I yeah. loved her. But I just found it to be, uh, I think the, the depiction of, the first couple of episodes of um, their Isang Yab and Yim Jung's marriage, how it's basically like deteriorated to a really tragic point, was actually quite moving. And their process towards deciding that they're going to get divorced was really well done. Um, but everything after that has just been kind of not very well written and very like everything has been really dragged out. I feel like they say the most obvious possible dialogue that you could think of in every situation. Everything is completely predictable. The only thing that I was really engaged with by the time, and I did watch like, I watched 26 episodes, um, which is like 13 hour long things. And I just felt yeah. like the mo- the story wasn't going anywhere unpredictable. And it was also going there at a very slow pace. Um, and I just didn't, there was the youngest couple. So like the youngest sister, 
her wedding gets annulled like the day she gets married because she realizes that her husband is cheating on her. Ouch. And it's pretty tragic. Her uh, relationship with her sister's brother-in-law. So basically like Eamon Jung's brother-in-law, they have a really cute relationship. And I think that's probably going to end up being a romance, which is going to be a mess because their siblings just got divorced from each other. Like their relationship is actually really cute. And the two of them are adorable, but I was like, I'm not sitting through this whole thing. And the other thing that I kind of was bothered by was the family has like a chicken restaurant in a small alley and all the merchants have this very close relationship. Like they've all been running their businesses for a long time on that street and they have like a merchants association and the dad is the president of that association. He's kind of like the respected elder of the street and everybody kind of looks up to him. But it's kind of very misogynistic in the sense that there's a lot of like gossip and judgment going on in this small community which like is very realistic I agree but it seems like the way the writer is setting it up it's always the women who are instigating this judgment and gossip and meanness and it's always the men who are like oh you women you're always creating drama like you're always (laughs) you know like for example this new group of women comes in with a new business but they used to yeah. they used to run a karaoke bar um but now they want to like live a less not a less scandalous life but just an easier life where they don't have to dr- deal with like drunk male customers hitting them on them all the time so they decide to open like a kimbap yeah. restaurant which is like more family oriented and you know like they want to kind of change their lives a little bit yeah. but they're but they you know like they still dress in the similar clothing as when they had the bar and like everybody in the neighborhood is like giving them dirty looks and then they like get excluded from the merchants association until they literally like force them to change the way they dress and it's seen as them coming to like a happy medium where everybody is happy but i'm like wait you basically like bullied them into changing their behavior so that you wouldn't find them too scandal like i don't know it was just it's really it's there's a lot of things about i don't want to go into this whole long thing but i just found that like there is a certain element of like the husband is like, oh, you guys are being so petty and you should just come to an agreement. And it's all the women who are like evil and judgmental. And, you know, they all and they're all like, oh, like divorce is the end of your life. And the mother like literally takes to her bed because her children have failed her by getting divorced. And she's more concerned about her own sadness than like her kids broken hearts. And like, I just wow. I just couldn't deal with it anymore. I was like, I'm done. I I cannot <laughs> like I thought that whole storyline with the um the new women who came to the neighborhood was going to be like an exploration of how sometimes people can be judgmental and then they learn, but there was no learning. It was just yeah. like, this is the society you have to like fit yourself into this mold. Exactly. <laughs> so that was uh, a little upsetting. <laughs> so then I was just like, no, this is, I'm done. So yeah. Okay, so so I, dropped I dropped it. it. Yeah. So that was unfortunate. Did you start watching something else that was better? So actually, I did. So actually, I started watching My Unfamiliar Family. And I love it. And it's actually doing all the things that I was not getting from Once Again and more. So I'm actually really, really happy with that. And it's it's like a short drama. So it's, I think, supposed to be 16 or 20 episodes. Um, I can't remember. This is also a weekend drama? It's like a TVN 16 episode Monday, Tuesday drama. 
but it's about this okay. family with three kids. So basically, the main premise is you have these three siblings played by um, Kim Mieri, I think, and uh, Chu Jaehyun, and the kid who plays Namu in You Who Forget Poetry. I can never remember his name. Sorry, Han Yeri. Sorry, Han Yeri. She's done a lot of movies. She was also in Age of Youth. Um, she always plays that like cool Oni character, in my experience, because okay. she is she's really good in this. But it's basically like an, a family that is not, they're kind of all estranged from each other. So Hanyeri yeah. plays the middle daughter, who's kind of like always on her mom's side. The oldest daughter is always on her on her dad's side. The, the little, the youngest one is just like, he lo- he's kind of trying to get his life together. So both his parents are kind of disappointed in him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Hanyeri is successful. She works at a publishing company. She can be a little bit argumentative with her mom, but in the end, she always like kind of does what she wants her, you know, and she kind of tries to be there for her. The eldest daughter is married, but she's estranged from her husband. And we find out during the course of the episode that like she's had a miscarriage and she's kind of, they've given up on having kids. And the two sisters had this big falling out because on the day that older, that the younger sister went to her older sister to get comforted for the fact that she just found out that her boyfriend of nine years has been cheating on her she basically like told her i told you so that guy was bad news and your relationship has been messed up and i've been telling you for a while and she's like can't you just listen to me i comfort me and then but then she later found out that like she was getting over her miscarriage at that time but they like and when the drama starts they haven't talked to each other in like five years or whatever and she that's also the same day that hanyari finds out that like her other good friend like they were like a three a group of three friends, her her boyfriend and Kim Ji Suk. He had known about it, so she also stops talking to him that day. And so in the first episode, she d- kind of decides that to like rebuild those broken fences, and she takes a step toward reconciliation. At the same time as her mom, their mom has basically decided she's going to divorce the dad, and so she tells the kids. Um, and then the dad has an accident in the in the um, in the mountains, and he returns to his twenty two year old self because of his head injury. And so now we have this, like, 22-year-old guy who's, like, completely in love with his wife that wants to divorce him right now in their life as, you know, an elderly couple. And they're all... So, like, it just creates a really interesting dynamic. And there's... Wait, hold on. Does he does he return mentally to his 22nd year or does he physically transform into a 22nd year? He has amnesia. So he only remembers oh. everything up to 22. So he doesn't remember any of his kids. Um, like, he only knows that his wife was expecting the eldest so does he recognize his wife he's like oh you look the same and you're like oh but also like she's Ah. like i don't want to hear it (laughs) i hate you you know so it's very interesting because i think it's gonna force them to confront a lot of the things that they haven't said to each other and that they haven't dealt with and they've just kind of like grown apart from each other and the reason why i like this drama so much is there are so much like a real family that at times it's actually like almost painful because it's so relatable. You know, like the conversations between parents and children and between siblings. Sometimes I was just like, oh, this is too real. I'm like, I'm getting triggered right now. So it's really, really good. And like in contrast to once again, where like everybody says the most obvious thing possible and then repeats that (laughs) obvious thing like four times to four other people because there's no editing apparently. In this, there's so many layers of unspoken things the way you would have in your real life with your family members. So a lot of times they're saying one thing, but like the truth is so much more hurtful. So you wouldn't actually say it, but it's kind of like hanging in the air, you know, like 
the dialogue yeah. is really good and the cast is amazing and they're really selling it i mean this is a great cast um kim jisuk and Haneri have such a great relationship like it's pretty obvious i'm so i'm just gonna say it like he's been in love with her for many years and she just sees him as a friend okay. and now they've finally reconciled as friends and now she's like immediately found a new love interest that's kind of a disaster and she's telling him all about it and you're <laughs> just like oh dude i feel for you um but their dynamic is so great that i really yeah. i really am rooting for them to be endgame so so yeah, I highly recommend it. I've only seen two episodes, but I'm really, really loving it. I, I really like this concept already. And I generally tend to enjoy family-focused dramas a lot. It's just that very few of them don't turn into melodramas. Mm. <laughs> so I kind of like avoid them until I hear something really good. So when you had watched Father is Strange and you were like, Parma, watch this. <laughs> I did because I was like, okay, I have reassurance that this is not going to turn into some sad you know mess i can't give you that reassurance about this because i've only seen like (laughs) what like 2.1 episodes no but the chemistry in the family matters a lot because if it's natural and it if it feels like it's it's you know it's a there are actually relationships being built amongst real people that's something you can watch yeah that's something that's almost enjoyable to watch like you can like you can feel the weight of history and years of interactions with these people yeah. Which, like, kudos to them. I don't know how you accomplish that. But it's, this is also the writer of <laughs> Flower Boy Next Door. So I think that can give you a little bit of an idea of, like, sort of the underlying melancholy. But that also doesn't, like, drag the whole thing down and make it depressing. Because it's also very funny. So okay. I'm definitely going to continue watching it. Alright. I think I'm going to start watching it. Yay! <laughs> After I've finished, you know, all the other things. <laughs> And watched Search, which I still haven't watched. Oh my and, god! You know, be melodramatic, which I still haven't watched. Seriously, as the unstoppable trio that we are, I feel like you need to watch those two dramas at least. Yeah. Yes. The only thing is that we have hyped it up so much. I kind of wish, I wish that Sai had watched it last year when there hadn't been the space of time when we kept oh, telling her watch it. It's so great. True. It's so great. Yeah. At this point, I'm I'm almost afraid that she'll watch it and she'll be like, it's not that If it's great. that good, like, nothing will stop me from loving it. And if it's not, then it's... I, you don't think hype ever ruins things for you? Because I think it sometimes always. does. Like, perfectly good dramas kind of don't seem tame to me because they don't live up to that. I feel like that happened to me with Healer. Oh, that's true. Well, I've been taking Borma's recommendations for years now. She's one of the few people whose recs I actually end up taking. After Aww. my sister, can I say, she gets really upset. She's like, you always read or watch what Borma is telling you to watch. And you never read anything I tell you to watch at read. And I'm like, how can you say She's this? She's introduced you to so many things. Wasn't she the one who introduced you to Kate? Yeah, I, I told, you know, I was like, how can you say this? You're the one person who I take the maximum number of wrecks from. But like, Borma is probably the second person. I know um, it's not mentioned here at all. You haven't given me a lot. Not the way, like, he sells <laughs> stuff to me. Um, whereas I, maybe you've only pushed one show, two shows, whereas P is constantly pushing shows at me and I'm like, yes, most of the time. And some of them don't work for me. Like bromance didn't work for me, even though you were really into it. Um, bromance! I rewatched it. I don't know why I went on <laughs> recommending it. It's awful. <laughs> why did I like it so I much? I do have to say, although I enjoyed that to a ridiculous degree, I don't think. 
I don't know that I would ever recommend it to someone because, like, it's one of those, like, cracky, the hilarious, but, yeah, somewhat shameful. <laughs> but I enjoyed myself so much when I was watching that. And does, it does not hold up to be watching. I stuck with it for, like, four episodes because I was like, okay, the good part is coming, right? And at one point, I was just like, I don't think a good part is coming. I think the whole show is like this, and it's obviously this one is a miss. <laughs> and like uh, Miss Temper and Namjungi, that was another one you recommended, and that that was you know that was okay. It was good to watch once, but it wasn't like amazing. I enjoyed it. I think that was one that Anissa took as well. And then you had you know then you have the Find Yourselves. Which one? Which one was the Namjungi? Uh, Miss Temper and uh, Namjungi, you know the oh yeah that one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I had a but, similar reaction. Like it was fine. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah. It was just a drama. I feel like I, I am being reviewed right now. <laughs> <laughs> All the recommendations for Muggins. Yeah, no, but, then, but then you also recommended Find Yourself, which was, you know, I, you know I wrote a literal thesis on it. So. <laughs> Go read it on our blog, guys. Dramasoverflowers.net <laughs> I can't believe it's an actual thesis with chapters. And I'm like... If you had left me alone, I would have written another 10,000 words. I think also I find that the I don't recommend shows to people unless I'm like really extremely, extremely excited about them. And I feel like most of the shows that I'm extremely, extremely excited about, you've already watched. So then I don't have a chance to recommend those to you. Although I've still got Tree with Deep Roots on my list, which I've had it for a long time. But like your recommendation pushes it up to the you know as close to the top of the list as it can get yeah but below mine (laughs) (laughs) there's just too many on the list the problem is the list is too long i think that's all of our this is why you cannot waste your life watching mediocre dramas time is finite watch what's good yeah even like you asked me are you gonna try to watch rewatch forest of secrets i'm like who has time to rewatch anything yeah (laughs) oh see that's another show that everyone loved and i was like "Mm, yeah yeah maybe maybe but I didn't, I sort of enjoyed it. I spent half of it confused and the other half intrigued. So it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't the way I enjoyed, for example, watching. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like I need to watch it again just so I can just sort of see if having a couple of years makes me better at understanding. Yeah, I do understand what you mean with that one. Is because like, I feel like recapping really enriched the experience because it's so... Um, complex and dense and subtle and interesting that like the the writing is so it's so good that it's almost like not enough to watch at one time um which are like maybe different people have a different amount of times they need to watch it because obviously like everybody processes information differently right so but I definitely did enjoy like with some shows you finish the recap and you're like I spent way too much time on that very simple storyline like you have nothing to say but I always had so much to say that I had to like choose what I was going to say that week um, because it was there was it was so rich and there was so much to discuss so I get that and usually like (laughs) usually I really love these obscure detailed shows the ones that are full of like like these dense rich yeah that's why I was surprised that you were (laughs) that's why I was surprised because I was like I don't get it I, yeah, so I'm going to give it another <laughs> shot because I, I feel like maybe I watched it wrong. So I'll watch it right this time. It's, I'm in a post-watcher world. Yeah, but also, like, it's not homework, Saya. It's okay. It's not, but I because I'm definitely watching season two. Yeah, me too. And I always like to re-watch the thing that came before. Like, for example, 
we're not going to talk about Dark now, but I'm going to watch rewatch two seasons of Dark so I can enjoy the final Oh, really? Season. Interesting. Yeah, there's a new season coming out, right? Keep seeing trailers. Yeah, in like... A few minutes? Two weeks. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. coming out in two weeks. But they're easy to rewatch because they're like 10 episodes each season. Anyway, we're not talking about that. No. We took my current watch list. What are you watching now, Sarah? So I've taken a little bit of an unexpected departure from my usual fare. And the only way I watch shows like this is just on impulse. So on impulse, I started watching Conde Intern, which um, has also gone by the title Old School Intern, the Park Hijin show. I just realized um, Park Hijin is like uh, blacklisted in K-drama fandom at the moment because of that other show, Forest, which I didn't watch, but I heard was a bit of a forest fire. Oh, no. Oh, did you watch it, P? I, I watched the first two episodes and I had a headache throughout. <laughs> and the thing is that the girl, uh, wait, hold on, let me just pull up her because I, I have a, I don't, I don't have anything like very smart to say about her, but I just, let me see if I can think of something pithy, I think. <laughs> she deserves it. <laughs> uh, I'm so curious where this is going. Okay. Deserves in a good way or a bad um, way? We'll find out. So, Joboa. <laughs> oh, okay. Joboa. We liked her in My Strange Night. We didn't love her. I, mean, I think Saya kind of liked I, I, her. I did kind of love her. <laughs> yeah. But we were okay with Joboa and My Strange Hero, right? She is intolerable in Forest. They created such a horrible character for her. She is, she is one of those shrill, unreasonable heroines who dislikes the hero for no very good reason and the hero is unreasonably rude to her for no good reason and then suddenly from that they spring into a romance and you want to just slap everybody oh. <laughs> in the screen it's just i'm just so uh, entertained by the strength of your reaction i mean but, i think you said it all right there and this was fresh off a piece of your mind my mind somebody's your mind, mind. And I, I had a very strong reaction to that, but I watched Forest and I was like, I will never say another bad word about a piece ever because that thing had some idea of where it was going. What is this nonsense? I heard a lot of jokes about being lost in the forest. <laughs> and they weren't even, they were like despairing jokes, the, the way you would be if you lost your child in the forest. So, you know, <laughs> but also, um, yeah. since you mentioned her, that reminds me of the reaction that people had to her character in Temperature of Love. She was a I horrible character in that. At all. Oh, don't you? She, I mean, she was a real uh, piece of work, but also she wasn't rewarded for it, which yeah. I, I, I mean, that's a discussion for another day. Was that's, she a second that's not good either. Yeah, she was, but she was really like mean and catty and oh, selfish. Oh, she was the jealous one, Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, who was competing with uh, the... Seonjin. What's her name? Um, I can't remember her character's name. Uh, Hyunsu. Yeah, that's right. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I, I had completely forgotten that she was the one who had played that character. Yeah, she was not... She was not a pleasant character. Yeah, so you were saying about the fandom's reaction to her in that drama. I think we were, t- we were originally talking about Park Hijin. So the reason that everyone is really meh about him having a new drama is is Forest, which I didn't watch, so I'm like thankfully uh, cushioned from. Yeah. But like I'm I'm not particularly interested in in the cast, but I was quite drawn to the premise, um, which was in last month's What's Up in Dramaland. 
Yeah. So he's uh, he starts off in the show as an intern under this horrible boss who's this, you know, the Gondo, which uh, Anissa did a really great job describing, so I won't go over that again. And then, like, fast forward five years, and he's the head of a team, and then his old horrible boss comes as a senior intern, senior in terms of age, um, as an intern for his yeah. team. And that's just, like, that's such a... I mean, maybe it appeals to me because of the promise of possibly revenge and most, like, well, most hopefully justice. And, you know, I like revenge. Um, no real-life reasons for that, obviously. <laughs> Is that sarcasm? There really aren't. <laughs> that sounded extremely sarcastic. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, I really don't have any real-life reasons. I don't know why it sounded so shifty there. <laughs> but yeah i i like a good revenge mellow um so this is more like a revenge it's not quite revenge comedy it's more like a it builds itself as a comedy but it's it's less comedic and a little bit more um like it's quite heartfelt and like as a human study it's really interesting because you have like Puckett's character is really fun because of what happened to him as an intern he like it's clear from the way he be- behaves towards his uh, team now that he he's committed to not being like his old boss so mm. he treats his team really well but then you have these moments where where he goes and he has a wobbly and he's like oh my god <laughs> why did i just do that so it's one part curated image so he really cares about how people see him and that adds yeah. this it does add like a layer of comedy to 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 the times when he kind of fails especially when the senior intern i'm so sorry i can't remember the actor's name but his the character's name is uh imanchik so senior intern he's kind of rocks the the boat of what's his name gayolchan i think is the character's name um Pakhajin's life and he's been living a stable good guy life and he's never had that image of himself challenged whereas having this cranky senior intern not only does it sort of bring back his trauma but it also um it does like make a real ch- like it tests his commitment to being fair and um kind to his team because he he gets yeah. petty about it and you know <laughs> which is what you're here for you're like totally there for that yeah but at the same time that's also offset by him genuinely not wanting to be like that so there's like these like multiple layers at work in his character there's the him that is yeah. like genuinely a good person um like below the surface he is not a bad person like he's not driven by pettiness and things he's actually driven by like his impulses are always good uh, i mean at, at, on a general yeah. level like there are all, there are a bunch of times where he does things that are like in the moment like he saves one of his um interns from uh, a praying ex uh, boyfriend and afterwards he's like why did i do that <laughs> why didn't why did i have to be so cool for why couldn't i just walk on by so he's got that instinct um and but at the same time he's got that uh, part of him where he's definitely working on his image he does it to look good and it's not the same things they're different things but they're different aspects of his yeah. character and then there's the uh, the part of him that is you know that wants to sort of get payback and so it's it's yeah. it's really interesting just to sort of 
you can't quite figure out what he's going to do, and that makes him an interesting character because you don't know which way of which way he's going to fall on on each thing that happens. Um, and at the same time, you also got senior intern. I should look up his name. Kim, it's Kim Ang Soo. Uh, in the uh, drama, he's Lee Man Soo. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, my my encyclopedias. <laughs> so, uh, so Ivanchik has this because um, you start off seeing him as a, a horrible person and completely unjustified in the way he treats people and just you know quite cruel um, and you know like let bad things happen to him because he deserves it. That's how you feel about him. But then your that perception you have of him is challenged as well because you're presented with the sides of him that actually prove he does have a conscience. And like Pakajin confronts those aspects of him as well because of course now that now he's his intern, they have a lot of interaction that brings them into moments in each other's lives. So yeah. I'm guessing that it's going to eventually sort of end up a, a kind of an unwilling alliance and then eventually some kind of grudging bromance. So it's 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 a nice easy watch that you don't have to sort of be fully present for but you can still enjoy. But it's also, you know, it's not complete fluff. And it might be triggering to people who have workplace problems because I have a friend who has really horrible office life and it makes me think of her so oh. if you want to get away from that kind of thing, you probably shouldn't watch it. But if you want to get away from other stressful real life things, it might not be so bad. And what's some petty revenge? Yeah, yeah this <laughs> one's actually high on my list exactly because of these two. <laughs> and what I anticipate would be pretty fun to watch. There's one more yeah. thing about it, which is really funny, is that they keep having these little um, parodies of other dramas. Like those romantic moment clips that I'm watching. Like uh, I saw this one on Instagram where uh, Yolchan kind of like holds Manchik by his hand and, and, and kind of like draws him away protectively. <laughs> that actually wasn't a parody <laughs> moment, but it was like, that was a kind of a parody trip moment, right? And he actually takes his hand. Yeah. It's not even like his wrist. He takes his hand. <laughs> and that was one of the moments after which he goes, oh, why did I do that? Why couldn't I just walk on by? This actually sounds pretty great, I have to say. I'm really enjoying yeah. it. A friend of mine told me that it was deathly dull in the first, like she watched two episodes and she was like so boring and I nearly dropped it then because I'm impressionable. But I was like, but I didn't find it boring. I enjoyed it. And then I carried on watching it. Resist the peer pressure. Sometimes you just, you just have to be like, you know what? I am enjoying it. I'm not going to let yeah. other people's opinions get to me, even yes. if I am as impressionable as a piece of clay. <laughs> Wet clay. Wet clay. I love how you <laughs> clarified that. <laughs> I have to admit that the casting does matter to me. And Conde uh, uh, Intern got on my radar because of Park I I really like this actor. I don't think he gets good roles. Mm -hmm. And I, I this one, from the moment we watched the trailer and, and with your review right now, this one actually sounds like exactly the role that he was waiting for. I'm really hoping he gets better roles going forward. And this is the kind of show you two watch. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's weird. This is a weird reverse for me. I'm the one watching the workplace comedy. Yeah. I'm <laughs> telling you guys to watch it. <laughs> Alright. So what's next? I think it's uh, one of Barmer's now. Okay. What are you watching? I'm, I'm actually doing a lot of rewatches right now and watching some old stuff. But before that, I'll just get through two dramas that I... 
Okay, so good casting and when my love blooms. When my love blooms is nice. Uh, certainly when it flashes back to uh, the younger versions of this older estranged couple. Um, well, they're not an estranged couple. They were like, they have not spoken to each other for years. <laughs> so, Were they actually ever a couple or were they uh, like a sort of a, lo- a, couple, a love that never was? Yeah, no, so they definitely had a romance when they were in college. And they tried to have a relationship. Then certain things happen, certain very... They make difficult choices. Situations get between them. So their prospects had probably promised something. uh, But the reality took them in very different ideological directions. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see who they were in college and who they ended up becoming. Uh, later part of their life but how strong the connection still is between them despite the decade or two that have passed but the problem is that I as much as I was enjoying the flashback to the younger college days and honestly at least I I didn't I haven't watched more than I think I watched the first four episodes the drama shows pieces of current day and then mostly spends rest of the airtime flashing back uh, to the younger college days, so it it feels it feels more like it's the the show is the current day is the college period, and then you sometimes go into the future, and this is what happened to them instead of instead of the format being the reverse. That's weird because they're showing so much of the college days, so there's very little story movement in the current times, and also when you do come to the current times, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing sufficient chemistry <laughs> between the leads so while you have uh, like the older versions are played by uh, Ibo Young and uh, Yuji Te and I'm not seeing the same chemistry that I'm seeing in uh, uh, John Suni and Park Ji Young uh, which is the college aged versions of them and of course because and also I you know sometimes you you watch a drama and you're like my god they did such an amazing job with the casting I keep feeling like they did a terrible job with casting the younger versions of this older couple their their characters are so vastly different like the way they present themselves the way they speak it's they do not feel like the same people at all which is which which creates this discordance when you're watching because it doesn't feel like I'm watching the younger versions of these characters it just feels like I'm watching two different dramas two different sets of people without much connection to each other that sounds really jarring it's hard also when the younger couple is like in college already so you've already got your adult face exactly how are they so yeah and like when the older version is like only in their 40s right so like that's not, yeah. you don't change that much between, especially if you're casting like gorgeous people who don't look their age, you could just have them do the college part. So. Oh, wait, it's Park Jin Young who's playing the, yeah, I really like him. Psychometric yeah. guy. He's, he's, ex- he's actually doing a very good job of being this rebellious, you know, college student leader uh, type character. He, yeah, I quite liked his gruff persona. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed his performance. I also really liked uh, John Sony. Uh, like the characters, the college characters are actually far more interesting because the problems that they are facing as a young couple who has to worry about their future, who has to worry about their responsibilities, and they can't just be selfish in their decisions. 
feels far more real to me than the elder couples problems because in the in the future or in the, the current day the, their versions are facing very stereotypical problems where the woman is poor and she has evil ex and mm. you know who's threatening to take away her child and you have the guy usually uh, um, he's married to this evil uh, woman and uh, his evil father-in-law is trying to ha- has once framed him and made him like serve jail sentence already and is trying to take his position away from him and i mean this just the evil people are so black and white evil in in the in the current times i just i find that the more i watch dramas the less patience i have with these stereotypically evil um, characters if that's your obstacle it's not much of an obstacle we know that these people are evil they'll be defeated you're going to be happy together whatever and unless that there is a relationship i don't think i can explain this very well i'm not feeling the chemistry between uh, the grown ups and again i i haven't been able to get beyond episode 4 maybe it develops um afterwards but just i wasn't feeling it at all so i kind of gave up on it right there so i was watching good casting which i started watching because of uh, chekanghi from uh, what was it the the the, the sherlock mystery queen Mystery Queen, right? Mystery Queen. Um, I really liked her, Mystery Queen, and I just Me I think too. they could have done so much more with the character there. But her, I I just really liked her. So um, when she was coming back with this drama and she's a spy, yeah, of course I'm gonna be watching. So uh, I I was, but um, and it doesn't really disappoint. Like the uh, the uh, if you're in there for Che Kang Hee, they really make this a Che Kang Hee drama. Like she is. properly heroic like she's really efficient she's this hot tempered spy who you know will like throw her badge at your face and go all rogue wait i think that's like a dirty cops reference or something um no dirty harry not dirty cops what am i saying <laughs> i wouldn't know either way <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway but you know the the, the rogue uh, the yeah the spy thing but um the the issue here is that good casting is established as these three female spies going into the corporate world and doing this whatever stuff they're supposed to be doing and so when you have these three women working as a team you would expect there to be a certain level of bonding uh, a dynamic chemistry between them and again none of that maybe i've been spoiled um with like you know search www uh be melodramatic or even uh because this is my first life where when you have three female characters they spend time establishing their relationship mm. here you have a, a kind of like a, a colleagues relationship between uh kim jeong and uh che kang hee so kim jeong is a senior spy who's kind of retired and became a insurance salesperson and then when um uh the government needed her they were like well you know you took out a loan from us do you want us to you know sort of collect it back from you are you going to come back and work as a spy and she's like fine i'll i'll be your spy and then uh, again they blackmail uh, a newbie uh, tech support girl into also getting into the field uh, she has a, a baby a 3 year old extremely cute baby 
and they are like well you're living in an apartment that we have given you do you want to be a spy or should we just take the apartment away from you and she's like where will i live with my baby fine i'll be your spy so you already have this situation where the the office that you're working for is treating you like trash and forcing you to risk your life or sort of lose your you know home and 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 um income so and then you have chekangi's character who's just dying to get back onto the field something had happened in the past and she was kind of barred from going back into the field so she kind of took it upon herself to solve some other case where she got herself incarcerated and she spent 3 months in jail and just to get information out of someone and i guess it's a very cool opening introduction to her character tells you a lot about how invested she is in the cases she takes on and that's great but how do i put this like her investment in the case is so high whereas the other two for most parts are just doing their job there is a real mismatch in the level of investment in these these three characters into the case that they have been uh, assigned and the case by the way is to find this mysterious character called michael who keeps escaping them and apparently other spies have gotten killed while chasing them and nobody wants to take the case anymore i'm exhausted just trying to explain the plot <laughs> the action scenes are really good i think what i enjoy the most is again chekhangi's character so um they send these three spies into the field uh chekhangi's character has to go be secretary to this newbie ceo whose position is constantly being challenged by his rivals in the company and the ceo is played by isang yop who by the way i had completely forgotten that we last saw him in while you were sleeping and he was this really slimy prosecutor turned attorney character and he was so good at being slimy and he here he's he's exa- he's this this really kind hearted sweet innocent um he does that He does either murderers or puppies. He doesn't have anything in between. I've only oh. seen him in the puppy role, so I'm intrigued. But you you've seen Signal? Uh, I haven't. He does. Uh, Signal? Yeah. He's the pu- literal puppy killer in Signal. <laughs> oh god. I totally forgot about that. That's the actor he is. He is either a puppy or he's a killer. That's like that's his entire filmography. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is that he he kept reminding me of uh, Kim Yong Kwang uh, from uh, Secret Life of My Secretary. His entire CEO character uh. was exactly like Dominic. And I I was I I actually thought for a, for a few minutes that it was the same actor until I was like wait no he looks different can be the same actor no they're just doing a bit <laughs> what a way to tell someone apart by their looks <laughs> we're really breaking new ground here <laughs> i know I mean, who would have thought look at their face to tell them apart <laughs> so no but you would you would know what i'm talking about when you see them the way the how the way he's shy and sweet and then you know abruptly uh gives an order and then immediately is sweet again that entire thing was so dominic i was like i was uh, i i never realized that was like a character trope <laughs> it is now anyway <laughs> yeah okay so uh chekangi basically um takes his uh takes a role as his secretary and she's trying to figure out what shenanigans is going how the connect, how the company is connected to the evil michael 
and the 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 problem here is that um Isangyeob's character is uh, when he sees her like he chooses her out of like pile of applications because she reminds him of his tutor when he was like 18 or something he had a 20 something year old tutor who by the way was was exactly chekang hee it it was chekang of course it's just, of course and she and he had fallen in love with her and and she had treated him like like this you know puppy who be who's to be you know kind of ignored but you know also like placated and stuff but not really encouraged but then then she kind of disappeared from his life and he is portrayed as so loyal that he's still in love with her he's kind of like you know so when he sees her again now here she's pretending to be someone who's 10 years younger than she actually is but here's the thing her real name is bekchan mi and she comes to the company as bekjang mi oh god and this guy in their first interview together he's like are you sure you're 27 years old and she's like yeah absolutely i'm 27 years old he's like are you sure your name is big jung me and not chang me and she's like no my name is big jung me and he is convinced that it's a different person i mean she looks exactly the same how is drama uh... logic mm-hmm. and and here are the weird things that happens and like when he was a kid he had a tear in his jacket and she had like sewn it up for him and within like a 5 second period somehow she had created this entire flower design and handed it back and he had been really embarrassed about it big jung me in the current period does exactly the same thing she does and he still suspects nothing well at some point you, you kind of you have to take people at face value when they have different you know bio bio biographical facts you just like what what are you going to do insist that there's someone they say that not I, in in a in a way it makes sense i kind of wish that they had centered i kind of wanted to i i started this drama thinking that they were going to center this uh, sort of like romantic dynamic a bit more because clearly the the trio's dynamic is not being centered they are actually focusing a lot on the overarching mystery and i don't think it works very well because you don't know who the villain is so everybody is sort of you look everybody suspiciously there is this particular evil authority character that you kind of that, that you kind of uh, want to uh, suspect that he's the villain but yeah aside from that ah. Anyway, so um episode 10 and I am probably going to watch a little more mostly because of Chekangi but yeah I kind of wish that they had focused more on the romance. Well you nearly at I, the end. They've already aired f- up to 14 okay. now. So that's that's where I'm at. I'm not sure if I'm enjoying it but uh really like Isangyo <laughs> <laughs> to make it to 12 episodes and... and not be sure that you're enjoying it that's something only Because you can do. The action is actually really good. <laughs> There are these moments when they plan heists and stuff and that is actually executed really well and whenever you have these actual action scenes it's done really well. My issue is that there is no interpersonal connection between the main trio and most of the romantic development happens in epilogues at the end of the drama oh dear so so it's like kind of a c- comedy procedural type of thing yeah actually that's a very accurate way of uh, talking about it um do we have anything else? i just have uh, a, i just want to talk about 
So before we wrap up, we're just going to take one last sort of um, leap out of K-Drama Land and back into C-Drama Land. Um, thanks to a recommendation we got from a reader. Um, can you tell us about that, Pete? Yeah, um, I think it was Joanne who emailed us and told us about um, The Untamed. So it's a it's a C-Drama that was really popular a while back. And uh, a lot of people are just catching up to how popular it was and watching it right now so it's the, the fan hype has not gone down but here's um so anyway so i finally i i was i was kind of looking at it uh as side eyeing it because i i occasionally do go into these wosha you know dramas kind of hoping for the best and then um usually being a bit disappointed because they tend to go all over the place a lot but yeah, so Joanne was uh, was really enthusiastic about it. And she talked about how much she had to say about the drama after it ended. And that is something that I, I always think speaks highly of storytelling. Like if you have a lot to say about it. Um, so usually I, 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 I side-eye these Wuxia uh, uh, dramas sometimes like venturing into uh, watching them. But my experience of uh, Wuxia is that it goes all over the place a lot and there are certain settled tropes that they don't want to break. They keep rehashing the same plot over and over again in different dramas. Um, so I very rarely go into them. So Nirvana um, in Fire was a brilliant one that I had watched a while, uh, uh, like my first Wuxia, I think. The second one was uh, Eternal Love, which was amazing. And every other drama that I've watched, I've kind of fallen short um, and when I say eternal love, I don't mean the other one. I mean the, I think, 100 miles of uh, peach oh, blossom, yeah, that one. Mm. Yeah, the three lives, three fates, something. So anyway, so the thing is that I, I heard such good things about The Tamed. So yeah, I, I finally started watching it. And I the first cup, I, I kept hearing that the first couple of episodes is when people left the drama, but I actually found it really interesting. However... I don't know if it was a mistake, but because I knew that there was a source material and that the source material uh, had treated the character slightly different. And by that, I don't just mean that the source material had a, um, you know, a boil of romance. Yeah, that's what I had to say. Yeah, it, it's not just that, uh, that the, the romance was stronger, whereas the where untamed, the show, it, it's more romance. romance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, I understand why that is so, and uh, skipping over that whole thing. Does that affect your enjoyment of the show, though? Um, again, I'm not actually, I haven't watched enough of the show for it to enjoy, uh, for it to influence it one way or the other. So what happened was that around the fourth episode mark, uh, no, I'm sorry, not the fourth, uh, sixth or seventh episode mark, I found that the show's pace was a bit slow. And I got really impatient, so I started reading <laughs> the book. And it's not like the book is going faster. Of course, there's just so much more story. So it's it's technically going slower. But the difference between the show and the book is, of course, the book is entirely from the perspective of our anti-hero, which is uh, Wei Wushan. And he is so... He's this wise but petty character. He's both... Like, he hits all of these... You know... Like, um, so in the show, he's just this like uh, slightly immature but intelligent boy. He's he's cast as this naughty young uh, rebellious character. But in the drama, in the, in the book, he is he's a character who's 
who's given into the dark side of demonic cult magic and develop certain uh, certain types of uh, uh, what do you call it those those uh, magic uh, stuff, <laughs> stuff <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not helping you uh, uh, no um it were you know like objects certain magic oh, objects yeah, like with, artifacts like, immense power things, and all yeah. yeah artifacts so like and and a lot of people in different cultures really want those artifacts and they find him threatening so he was practically murdered like 13 years back then he was resurrected into the body of this other person for certain reasons and so he he's brought back he was never completely dead but somewhat dead i suppose <laughs> anyway so he's resurrected and nobody knows that he's back and so he's in the body of the person who had summoned him who's actually kind of dead but um it's just confusing this is very confusing. the point is that yeah but the point is that it is so great because you have this character who's who's already lived the life of a villain quote unquote villain he was killed off in this great battle by somebody whom he considers both his greatest rival and you know at least in the book the potential love interest um and then you have him well he wasn't technically killed off by him but anyway the, not the point then 13 years later he comes back and now he's like well i've lived the life of the great bad powerful person and now he's just like he's why have i been brought back i was fine being dead what is this nonsense i really like his book voice he is he's really so the thing is that when you're summoned into the body of the summoner it's usually because they are bringing the spirit of some evil ghost into their body to get revenge on someone if you don't get the revenge as the summoner had wanted then there are slashes in your body that just keeps getting worse and then you burst and i don't know double die or something i don't know what happens but something bad <laughs> so he's forced to get revenge for the summoner so so are there two spirits in the body at the same time or does he just fully inhabit that body no the summoner's spirit is apparently gone but then what's the point um, <laughs> he, he's dead dead <laughs> no so he he is so he's so vengeful towards this particular group of people he's like i will die else just just sacrifice my own uh, you know body and and summon this evil spirit who can come and get my revenge for me because i couldn't how can you guarantee that that's because that, that's the magic that. that's that's the magic oh as in they have to otherwise oh actually they that's have to. that's exactly. that's quite interesting So it, it it the so the first opening chapters are actually really interesting uh, because now he's forced to and he has to hide his own true identity and unfortunately <sighs> some other group of people come in who might be able to tell who he is so he has to pretend that he's this duller version so he, he has to be really cunning about influencing events without making it appear as if he's influencing events because he's this powerful sort of demonic cult god person I, i don't know in the body of someone who's not that great this is what i mean about you selling me a drama and making me watch it i hate you stop <laughs> stop right now it it's actually the book that i'm selling you more mm. than the drama because the drama as interesting as it is i don't think they as yet they haven't really tapped into this part of it yet 
this this ridiculousness of trapping this godlike figure into the body of this mere mortal and he has to hide his identity and he has to be this wise and cunning person but you know behind the scenes all the time and he okay this this one thing translates really well to the show where he has this relationship with this really stubborn donkey <laughs> that was not what i thought was going to follow the word relationship <laughs> <laughs> well you know what i mean like <laughs> He he just steals the donkey know. to travel, <laughs> but the donkey is like the donkey will only have like the greenest grass and will refuses to have anything else, and he has to pander to the donkey's whims to get him to walk further. I actually really like I, the sound really, of <laughs> all of this without even going into his very complicated relationship with um. Lan Wang Ji, though I, I that's not exactly that's not the correct title. He has several titles. I'll just stick with Wang Ji. So. Wushan is the quote unquote darker character who you know if you give him uh, if if you ask him a philosophical question he'll always come up with the most scandalous answer <laughs> which the show actually taps really well and whereas Wang Ji is the the straight arrow he will always do what is correct and what his cult has taught him and he's always mannerly and kind and all of that stuff so you have those these two characters having like ethical dilemmas while they're dealing with problems because their approaches are different but they also trust and support each other so i really like the way the relationship is developing but the my problem here is the book for now seems way more interesting than the drama so what i'm doing right now is i've kind of paused the drama at uh, episode 7 and i've kind of just decided to finish the book first i i get the feeling that i'm going to enjoy the drama more once i've finished it and the drama is just because i'll be able to fill in the bits of the story that the drama has to um cut out for just you know mm-hmm. time and all of that yeah i mean there's no value judgment on which medium you prefer right it's like as long as you get <laughs> enjoyment out of it that's that's the aim right yeah True. I am. I am really enjoying this story. So let's see where where it goes. I have me. a recommendation to make now, which I've actually been okay. recommending you for for quite some time. Um, but I think that you're in the place where you you can you can do this now. <laughs> so um, you know, uh, quite a while back, I think they've actually done because you're you said you're rewatching uh Queen in Hyunsman now. Um, yeah. Um, and there's actually a second Chinese remake of this that's quite. recent but i haven't watched that one but the first one it's called love through uh love through a millennium um i think you'd really like that or have you already watched it i i watched uh a third of it i really didn't like no, it no no keep going because the reason i'm saying that is there's this uh character yeah. okay which part didn't you like it depends what you didn't so it's like it's mostly the initial parts because i thought that the the best thing of queen inhansman was how quick paced it was everything moved really fast and now that i'm rewatching it i realize much of the pacing was done by this really clever mechanism of using multi screens yeah so you're watching several <laughs> character yeah several characters moving at once so everything feels so much faster mm-hmm. than it probably was this is also back in the day when tvn did 45 minute episodes like they had yeah. this short period where they did 45 minute episodes which i imagine as you watched it would have been an hour because of ads but they they were they were very tight episodes back then and you're right like the yeah. the chinese one i think each episode is like a more than an hour um and oh it's it takes very long to unfold and also the characters are very different not so, so the i thought you'd enjoy the difference because there's this character that isn't okay. in the original uh who is uh, oh the, the rival brother yeah, exactly. character and he's said. such a good character yeah. 
And like for that reason, I thought you would enjoy it. But if you've already tried a third and you didn't, then uh, you know what? I sh- I should probably go into this without um, comparing it with Queen Hoon in yeah. in Hoon's Man. Sorry, <laughs> without thinking of it as a remake. That's true. I might be able to enjoy it more that way because last time I did go into it kind of hoping for like I don't know what just like like as if I wanted to rewatch the thing but with other actors. Uh, yeah, no, it is the thing so is it it's very much its own drama. Sorry. It really is. It it I mean you recognize like plot points, but it's its own drama. We've had a really exciting month on Patreon. Um I think this is the most most patrons we've had in, in a month and you can bet that there was a high-pitched squeeing from three corners of the world simultaneously. And, <laughs> yes. and most exciting of all is literally as we were recording, we discovered we had a new patron. So this is like, you will get your shout-outs. Um, and uh, as always, we are so, so privileged um, by your attention and your commitment to us and the fact that you listen to us and care enough to, to support us this way. So um, this month we are welcoming to our Patreon family Katie, Mindy, Liliana and Edith. Thank you guys. We're sending you finger hearts and we love you. Yes. Welcome guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's so lovely that you that you were willing to help us out in this way and we hope that um, we hope that the podcast continues to give you joy. And you certainly give us joy. Yes. And also think just for us um it's not just the patreon community which is so so nice better than nice it's so great when uh you have listeners um signing up to patreon but also just when they email us um, and and just talk about dramas that they're watching it, uh, in the last month, I think uh, we had uh, Rue and uh, Joanne uh, write into us. Uh, Rue uh, was talking about watching uh, Never Have I um, Ever, and Joanne was talking about um, Untamed. Um, and the thing is that <laughs> Saya um, and I both watched Never Have I Ever. I started watching Untamed. It was mostly because of uh, your emails and. We we don't just appreciate your emails. It makes us feel like we we have a community around us, and that you guys are not just listening but participating in the conversation. So, yeah, <laughs> we are all very emotional about this stuff. But yeah, thank you, thank you for writing in. Thank you for connecting with us on Twitter and just everything. Yeah, thank you. and even if you like are are not a fan of human engagement you just want to like give us a star rating which we completely understand that is like 100 percent fine and we will appreciate that hugely as well so so you know like whatever your level of engagement is like we're good we appreciate that you communicate with us um in whatever way you feel comfortable Mm. lots of love (laughs) that was really cheesy i'm really tired So on that note, <laughs> show us a good night, guys. <laughs> yeah. Thank you as always, everyone, um, for listening and keep listening. And we'll be back next time, we hope, inshallah. And uh, yeah. don't send, well, feel free to send whatever emails you want, but uh, don't send too many angry emails to Saya and uh, Burma about email. <laughs> we promise <laughs> that we will we'll publish something positive about him soon. So. <laughs> Yeah, we have we do have something positive. Is it positive? Can we really um, can we really guarantee that it'll be positive? It will contain positive aspects. It will. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, it will. Because because there are many roles that we have loved yes. him in. So it's not like we are not even her haters at all. Also, I'm not a hate mail hater. I actually love hate mail. I've made some very good friends over a demand for hate mail once. So. Really? Yeah, we've never actually had hate mail for the podcast. Yeah, we well, I mean, not. this is this is my p- uh, pre-K drama days, back in the dark, very dark mists of time when I used to write for a, a Wheel of Time fan site. This is my very dark, very nerdy days before I realized I was brown. <laughs> Obviously, I thought I was a white boy then. Um, <laughs> so I, d- <laughs> I used to write a column on this on this fan site, and I was bored one day, and I was like, "Okay, guys, hit me with your hate mail," and. They sent me some great hate mail. I loved it, and I made some really good friends over it. Guys, that is not encouragement for you to send us hate mail, though. <laughs> I mean, it depends what they're hating. Kidron fans are like way too polite to ever send hate mail. And even if they do send us hate mail, I I, su- I suspect that they'll be like really polite hate mail. That's that's just like <laughs> you don't like Oppa. Yeah. No, I think it takes too much effort to write an email. I mean, just by the medium alone, you filter out a lot of the kind of reactionary, how dare you criticize Oppa. <laughs> I mean, who's got the commitment yeah. to sit through two hours of podcast? That particular demographic who would be like, how dare you criticize Oppa? I don't think they write emails anymore. Exactly. Like, what's an email? Is that like something your grandparents <laughs> used to do? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they even think Twitter is outdated. <laughs> Okay, guys. So, uh, so finally, I think that's a good point to wrap up on. And um, oh, we do have uh, something planned uh, pretty soon. We uh, just recorded a hospital playlist, a spoiled yak for hospital playlist. We should have that out pretty soon. Um, we don't know if it's going to be before or after <laughs> the yak, but look out for it, guys. Yeah, that's why we didn't talk about hospital playlist in this yak because that's coming soon. Yeah. We thought it deserved its own space. And uh, the other thing that um, we just want to remind you is that we've been uh, sort of, re- we've returned a little bit to our natural medium. And there's a bunch of new posts on our blog at dramasoverflowers.net where I write a literal thesis, as I previously said, about Find Yourself, the Chinese drama. And um, Anissa has written a really thorough an excellent review of uh, three six five. What was the full name of that drama? Repeat the year. Repeat the year. <laughs> um, in the weekend drama reports, and the weekend drama reports go up weekly. Check in on Monday uh, night or Tuesday morning, depending on where you are in the world. <laughs> um, and that's where we have like weekly check ins on what we're watching. Um, we also would like to appoint you to our weekend drama report of the first week of June, I think, which we kind of did a, a, a Black Lives Matter special. Um, that was a week that we really felt we needed to do that. Um, and we hope you'll check that out as well. Um, what else have we done on the blog? We have a lot of things planned. Oh, the yeah. Blog is coming. So we've, yeah, we've got a really fun thing coming up, which by the time this comes out should have gone up. It involves Imino. Go and check it out. <laughs> All right. Many Imino's. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you can find us on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. And you can find us on Instagram at Dramas Overflowers underscore podcast. Yes, I did it. Yeah. And? <laughs> I didn't know that. 
and you can email us at uh, dramasoverflowers at gmail.com and if you want to find us individually um, you can find me Parma at Festa Faster Anisa and you can find me at Anisa Khalifa underscore and you can find me at uh, I can't remember what it was oh yeah <laughs> not now sire that's on Twitter that's the only social media I can handle and that's it alright guys so that's guys <laughs> bye bye bye